Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Well, good morning. morning. Wasn't that nice of us to give you all a nice, quiet, contemplative moment? (laughs) Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Donna, and I'm the pastor here, and this is... I'm Katie Brock. I'm a congregant here and sing in the choir. And we are very, very pleased to be with all of you in worship and also with all of you worshiping online. So let's turn and say hello to those folks. It is a beautiful day in God's great creation, and this is a beautiful community gathered together to rejoice. And so if you would now rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Oops. And Jesus said, Come to me. To the lighthearted and To the well off and the cast off, he said, Come to me. To the faithful and the faithless, he said, Come to me. We have come to worship this day, hoping to meet God, asking for the grace to take a breath, to breathe in grace. Yes, so be it. Amen. And now, my friends, living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we begin our worship with the reconciliation of our hearts toward God and one another with the passing of the peace. Please feel free to share signs of peace in whatever ways are most comfortable for you and your partner. May the peace of Christ be with you all.
to invite the young folks in the congregation to come up and join me here for a few moments. <laughs> Good morning. Nice, I'm so glad. 
That's great. All right, anyone have a seat here? Well, it's good to see you all this morning. I am going to keep my mask on since I've had a little cold this week and I don't want to pass it along to anybody else. But I brought along something that is kind of special. You know what this is? Yeah, it's a globe, isn't it? And it doesn't belong to me. Yeah, there are lots of places on this, aren't there? And it doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to someone who is very, very special, who we are all gonna get a chance to meet in just a moment. I asked this person if she would bring an object that said something about herself. And this is what she brought. If you were to bring something to share, and maybe you sometimes do this at school, that says something about who you are, do you know what you might bring? You might bring your water bottle that has your name on it, maybe. Yeah, that's lovely. Anybody else think of something you might bring that would say something about you? What do you think? A picture of, my dog. A picture of your dog. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because I was thinking I might bring my dog. <laughs> but then that would be a whole other problem. Anybody else? Well, would you like to meet this person that this globe says something about? Well, let's have her come up now. <laughs> My friends, this is Karen Johnson, and Karen is a brand new member of our church staff. She is the new director of Youth and Family Ministries. And we are so thrilled to welcome Karen here today. Tell us about a little something about yourself and sure. why you brought this object. Yes. Well, first of all, you all are very good for the spirit, I have to tell you, because you have been so hospitable and kind already. I've only been here like 10 minutes, so <laughs> thank you. And mostly, I'm excited to hang out with you guys. So I'm just going to sit down here. I'm I was wondering, have any of you guys ever traveled far away from Washington State and learned from your neighbor across the world? Maybe you lived somewhere else, or maybe you traveled somewhere else. Has anybody done that before? Yeah? Where have you gone? In Ramses house and Papa's house. Oh, so sometimes you travel to your family's house, different family? Like you're, yeah, yeah. Yes, do you know where they live? Is it close by or is it far? Our, our grandma, Wendy Lapses was. We don't know where they live because they're planning on like moving, but they're renting a place. Oh, I see, they rent, but they're planning on moving. I get it, yeah. Has anybody, have, has anybody ever traveled to a different state? You have? A couple of you? Yes? Or a different country? Maybe Canada? Oh, yes. Or Mexico? Or somewhere else? Oh, where have you been? The Philippine Islands. Oh, 
Oh, the Philippine Islands, wow. So the reason I brought this globe is because I have spent a lot of time living and traveling to other places and learning from my neighbors across the world. So I spent a year in Argentina. Does anybody know where Argentina is? Let's see if we can find it. There it is, this is kind of hard to find, but Argentina is right here. It's that big country right there. It's pretty far away. And I spent some time backpacking in New Zealand and some time uh, studying peace studies in South Africa and sociology in Jamaica. So I've been all over the world learning from my neighbors. And that's part of what I hope we get to do together too. Learn from people that are close to us and learn from people that are far away from us. So that's just a little bit about me this morning. Mostly, I want you to know that I'm really happy to be here. So it's good to meet you all, and pretty soon I'll learn your names. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Let's uh, join together in a prayer, if you all would repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us neighbors who can teach us many things. And thank you for our new friend, Karen. And all God's children said, Amen. All right, you guys, there's some things that are happening over in the library today, and you are welcome to go there or to stay here in worship as you wish. Just one touch 
from the healer and all will be made well just one word from the maker and all the ways will be made still just one touch from the healer and all will be made well Jesus when you gonna wake up when you gonna wake up and calm this raging sea Jesus when you gonna wake up when you gonna wake up how can you sleep when we're in need won't you rise up won't you to make a few introductory remarks uh, to the scripture which Phil will read for us today. It comes from the Gospel of Mark, the eighth chapter. Now Mark, as you probably know, is the earliest gospel we have, probably written around the year 70, Common Era. And it was written to a community which was still struggling and suffering under Roman oppression. They had hoped for a Messiah who would put an end to Rome. And so now they are left wondering, well, if Jesus didn't do that, who was he really? So here we have today a passage dealing with questions of identity and lifestyle. It begins by lifting up various titles by which Jesus' contemporaries might understand who he is. And then it presents a hard lesson about what being the Messiah will require of Jesus. And finally, it spins out implications for those who would follow this kind of Messiah. This is a core element in the gospel message. It's found in all three of the, of the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it is a clear statement of Jesus as Messiah and about the universal nature of the salvation he offers. The passage says it is offered to whomever 
follows Jesus. Let's listen now as Phil reads the scripture for us. Good morning, church. My name is Phil Borgness. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. It says, do not touch, Mike, I did. <laughs> the scripture lesson today is a reading of the gospel according to Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 through 38 in the Common English Bible Version. Jesus and his disciples went into the villages near Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? They told him, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, and what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples, the human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts, and be killed and then, after three days, rise from the dead. He said this plainly. But Peter took hold of Jesus and said, scolding him, began to correct him. Jesus turned and looked at his disciple and then sternly corrected Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves take up the cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. Savior's love for all, Christ 
Christ died to set us free. Whatever problems may befall, we'll live in dignity. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he people face each day and sheds along life's troubled path bright sunshine on the And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Lord, Beloved Son, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Well, these are just a few of the names or the titles for Jesus found in the New Testament, along with, of course, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last, Logos, the Word, Emmanuel, teacher, rabbi, advocate, high priest, Lamb of God, good shepherd, true vine, son of man, son of God, Christ, Messiah. Well, this morning we find Jesus asking, who do you say that I am? And we find that it is a much harder question than we might at first think. Because the New Testament does not paint a uniform portrait of Jesus. Not only do we have four different gospels, each one unique in their particular meanings ascribed to Jesus' ministry, we also have 13 additional books articulating various views of Jesus. Even, excuse me, we have 23 additional books and even the 13 letters attributed to Paul adapt the function of Jesus depending on the circumstances being addressed in the letter. Hence, the Bible gives us about 50 different ways to answer the question, who is Jesus. I'm sorry, but all of a sudden I flashed on that song, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. (laughs) I think it's a wholly different idea. Well, it's really not a simple question, is it? When Jesus asks his disciples, or for us, for that matter, who do you say that I am? He is also asking us, Who will you say that you are? 
Answering the question of Jesus' identity raises the question of our own identity as well. And the question here is not a test. It's not about getting the answer right, but it is about coming face to face with your own understanding of discipleship. The way Mark tells the story, Jesus, being the excellent teacher that he is, prefaces his most difficult question with a softball one. He starts out by asking them, who do people say that I am? In other words, what have you heard? What's the buzz? What do the polls reveal? What's the scoop in the National Enquirer? And can't you just hear those first disciples letting out their breath in relief as they think to themselves, ooh, this one is easy. We know this one. And so they scramble to answer Jesus. People say you are John the Baptist. No, no, no. They say you are Elijah. Even more people think that. Or maybe one of the prophets. That they are sure that's who you are. Well, the disciples go on like that for a while, perhaps because they feel like they are on solid ground. It's easy to simply report what they have heard. And curiously, Jesus neither affirms nor denies any of their answers. He simply listens to them, gathers up everything they think they know based on other people's observations. Now, isn't that where all of our explorations of faith begin? In naming what we have heard, in looking at what we've been taught, or in simply repeating the certainties others have handed down to us. Those are easy answers for us, just as they were for the first disciples. But they may not offer us much. They may not sustain us for the long haul. Well, the gospel story goes on as the scene shifts and Jesus asks the much more pointed question, but who do you say that I am? As if to suggest they need to forget about other people's theologies and interpretations. They need to put aside what they've heard, what they've been taught, what they have inherited, and think about what they have experienced, the life they've lived together, the bread they've broken, the lives they've touched, the hopes they've harbored, the tears they've shed, the laughter they have shared. Who am I to you, Jesus asks. Peter gets the title right when he says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. But he doesn't seem to understand what the title means. Now this is where the story gets a lot more intimate and a bit more challenging. Instead of praising Peter's discernment, 
Jesus tells him to keep his mouth shut. And then he launches into a horrific description of the suffering awaiting him in Jerusalem. Peter can't take it. Because Peter, like most of us, wants Jesus to be victorious and wants God to be strong. We want the God who heals us. The God who offers us security, who provides ample prosperity and generally keeps us happy. But that is not the God Jesus offers. Instead, Jesus gives us a God who meets us in vulnerability, suffering, and loss. Jesus gives us a God who meets us in those moments when we really need God, when all we had worked for, hoped for, dreamt about seems to have fallen apart. And we are forced to acknowledge that we are mortal beings who may not be able to save themselves and that we desperately need God to meet us right where we are. I find it amazing the way that Peter's bold confession of faith, you are the Messiah, is not the end of his exploration into Jesus' identity. It is only the beginning. As soon as Peter thinks he has arrived at the final answer, Jesus shuts him up, challenges what he knows, and sends him back to the beginning. Yes, I am the Messiah, but not like you might imagine me to be. Peter, there is so much more for you to learn. Try to love what is still unresolved and ambiguous. Keep living the questions. For that is where faith is ultimately found. G.K. Chesterton once said that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Christianity has been tried and found difficult and then has been abandoned by most. When I was the pastor of the Albany United Methodist Church, I got to know Randy Shute, the pastor over at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. At that time, Randy was probably in his mid to late 40s. And he was a very kind, very approachable sort of guy. He wore his hair long, about to the middle of his shirt collar. He sported a beard, and he usually dressed fairly casually. Well, one Good Friday, his church was worshiping in a truth-telling kind of way, focusing on the suffering and obedience of Jesus while paying particular attention to the cross. Toward the end of the service, Randy sat in the front pew while worshipers were invited to come forward, light a candle, and pray at the communion rail. Well, one young child had just finished lighting his candle. When he turned around, caught sight of Randy with his beard, his long hair, his preaching robe, 
his Birkenstock sandals. And he whispered to Randy, Jesus, so sorry about the cross. (laughs) Well, that child may have been mistaken about an identity, but he was right on target with the apology. Sorry about the cross, Jesus. Sorry that we, like Peter, are so reluctant to see it. Sorry we are so hesitant to see you as you really are. Sorry we are so quick to want to change the recipe for discipleship, to spare ourselves the vulnerability we encounter when we choose to follow you. Sorry we have so little patience with ambiguity that we too often forget the life of faith is a life of living questions. Peter can't stand to have Jesus talk about his suffering and his death. In fact, he is so traumatized by talk of the cross He doesn't even hear the part about Jesus' promised resurrection. Jesus here is giving us a recipe for life with God, and Peter, Peter only hears half of the ingredients. Peter gets as far as love your life, lose your life, and then tries to stop Jesus. But we know that it is true. If we try to save our lives in some self-centered way, we surely do lose our lives. We cannot preserve them with prestige or possessions or addictions. We cannot even preserve our lives with our own efforts at perfectionism. All of that backfires. So we must listen for the other half of the recipe. Lose your life for the sake of the gospel. Save your life. It is in losing our agenda, giving up our illusion of control, simplifying our desires and entering into the suffering of others. It is in allowing our own vulnerability to show up in the ways we live the questions of Jesus' identity and our own identity, that is where we find our true lives. There is an old story that you may have heard about a small plane about to crash. The pilot comes out of the cockpit with a parachute pack strapped on his back and tells the passengers, folks, there is some bad news. But there's also some good news. The bad news is that the plane is going down and there is nothing more I can do about it. The good news is there are several parachute packs by the wall back there. The bad news is there are four of them and five of you. But good luck. And with that, the pilot gives the thumbs up sign and jumps out the door of the plane. Well, a woman wastes no time leaping up from her seat and telling the others, I am one of the world's most brilliant brain surgeons. My patients depend on me. 
as she grabs a pack, straps it on her back, and leaps from the plane. A man stands up next and says, I am a partner in a large law firm, and the practice would fall to pieces without me. He grabs a pack, straps it on his back, and again jumps out of the plane. Another man stands up and tells the remaining two passengers, I am arguably the smartest man in the world. My IQ is so high, I won't even tell you what it is, but surely you understand I must save myself as he picks up a bundle and jumps. Only two people are left now, a middle-aged pastor and a teenage boy. Son, says the pastor, you take the last parachute. You have your whole life ahead of you. The teenager just grins at the pastor and says, well, thanks, but there are still two parachutes left. The smartest man in the world just grabbed my backpack. <laughs> well, my friends, it seems we are all in midair clinging to something. The question is, is it something that will save us or is it not? What can we give in exchange for our lives? Only our love, only our vulnerability, only our patience with the questions, which is what will save us in the end. Thanks be to God. Amen. Christ is the life of the world. 
Christ is the life of the world. Let us lift up, lift our hearts. Let us lift up, lift our hearts. It is good to lift our hearts to the Lord. Let us lift up, lift our hearts. It is lift up, lift our hearts. It is good to lift our hearts to the Lord. Send forth in beauty, reconciling all things. Let us pray. All holy and merciful God, we thank you for life, for love, even for this day. As surely as the sun rises, so surely you are present with us and within us, closer to us even than our next breath. Whether we recognize you or not, whether we see you as you truly are or simply as we wish you would be, you see us clearly, completely, truly, and amazingly, you love us even so. We thank you, Jesus, for standing among us and telling us the truth about God the truth about life with God, the truth about discipleship in your name. You show us your pain. You remind us of the cost without fear. You reveal your wounds without wounding the world in response. You walked through Good Friday while standing firmly in Easter. You call us away from our many betrayals, our failures of nerve, our inability to follow you, all the while offering your forgiveness and your continued invitation to join God's great adventure. You move us to serve. You shape us in joy. You give us your love. And still you ask us, who do you say I am? You ask us that, trusting 
us to find the courage to keep asking, to keep living the questions until we recognize the power that comes with losing our lives to the questions themselves. You ask, knowing that we are never left alone, that there is no question big enough or dangerous enough to undo your love for us. Help us to keep asking, empowering us to keep living the questions that bring us at last to faith. For now we pray together the prayer you first gave to your disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to give and be as generous as God has been to you and to us. If you're online, you may give in two ways, online at using the Give link button at the top right corner or via mail. In order to give online, please go to edmundsumc.org give. In order to give via mail, please send checks to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. You're beautiful, your face is all I seek, and when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me.
God of grace and great wonders, we join with you in the joy of giving. You give us life and breath. You fill the world with beauty and our hands with bounty and our hearts with the desire to give. Bless these gifts and ourselves in your service. May it be so. Amen. I have just a, a couple of announcements that I would like to make uh, before we sing our closing hymn. Uh, today, if you are a newcomer to church and you have some questions about who this community is and what is so great about it, I can tell you all of that. <laughs> and I would love to have some time to do so. In the library, following worship, we're doing our first uh, monthly meet and greet with the pastor. So if you're new or you just have a burning question, even if you've been here for a thousand years, come on, get yourself a cup of coffee or tea or juice and come on into the library and we'll have a few minutes of conversation. And then, here it is folks. <laughs> 
the coveted golden ladle. This could be yours next Sunday if you happen to win the chili cook-off. So don't delay, sign up now to bring your favorite chili recipe. And be sure the rest of you are here because we're all gonna be the judges. And I'll maybe try not to let you know which is my chili. Because, <laughs> you know, we want to keep it on the up and up. But we do have this fabulous prize along with some other surprises. And we hope that you all will join us next Sunday for Homecoming, Homecoming Sunday and our chili cook-off. Now, we have um, one more announcement from Ron this morning. Hello, I'm Ron Heitritter. I have the privilege of being the chair of the Mission Endowment Committee. The Mission Endowment application deadline is coming up October 1. There are two Mission Endowment funds available for applications, the Dave and Chris Gillespie Endowment Fund and the Catherine James Endowment Fund. The Gillespie Fund provides grants to ministries already established within the church. Gillespie grants are awarded to outreach ministries that emphasize the commitment to make disciples of Jesus Christ in our community. These grants are intended to fund something extra for the ministry and not just replace the regular budget. For example, the Gillespie Fund has provided grants for scholarships to the women's retreat and scholarships for children to be able to attend VBS. Funds from the Gillespie Grant were also used to expand EUMC's scouting program to develop a troop uh, for the girls. Slide. The Gillespie funds covered the cost of teaching materials, troop expenses for outings and scholarship funds for girls whose families were not able to pay the required dues needed to be a member. The Catherine James Endowment Fund provides grants for the innovative ministry proposals submitted by members of the EUMC. Applications must have a specific focus on serving families and children in poverty. Priority is given to applications that provide opportunities for active ministry participation by the EUMC faith community. In the local area, Catherine James Funds has assisted refugee families and children to resettle into our community. This is a picture of many of our refugees. In the global community, the Catherine James Fund has assisted the EMC church member Chidi Okora to build schools for children in her home village in rural Nigeria. This is a before and after photo of some of the great work Chitty has done. You can submit applications for the Gillespie or the Catherine James funds using the link that is in the e-news or by going to the church website, select the contact tab, then select endowment applications. I am grateful to be involved in the mission of work of EUMC. Thank you, Ron. And I hope you all heard that. This is an opportunity, and so put your creative ministry hats on and get your application in by October 1st. Please stand now and join in singing the closing hymn.
And now, my friends, let us take that love, that joy, that peace with us as we leave this place to be God's people in all God's world, living the questions and knowing it matters how we answer. May the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen.
Oops. <laughs>